Praise God. So we are starting a little new series this morning. Um, we've called it Vintage Harvest. It's autumn. It's a great time to talk about fall. Mm -hmm. Is it beautiful outside? <laughs> the leaves, pumpkins, apples, corn stalks, just crisp air. It's, yeah. It is harvest time. And um, the word vintage can refer to a lot of things. I mean, there's vintage clothing, there's vintage jewelry, there's vintage grapes, there's vintage cars. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a cousin who has a vintage Nash. I didn't even know what that was. We were talking one day, and he's <laughs> like, I said, what's a Nash? <laughs> How many of you know what a Nash? I'm sure some of you car boss would go, I know what that is. Yeah. That he, you know, painstakingly uh, refurbished, put together over several years in his garage. I mean, it didn't look like much because he had a before picture and the after picture of what it looked like. It needed a lot of TLC. We first saw the, the, the old picture when he got it. So, I mean, he sandblasted it and he researched all the parts that he would need and laid them all out in the garage and he's sanding and buffing and shining. And, and the thing at the end, it's like, so here's what it looks like now. It's like, wow, that thing is sharp. And it, it turned out really to, yeah, I know, we should have had a picture of it up here, at least one from the internet to even show those of us who are not too bright about cars, like what a Nash is. <laughs> but they are cool looking it's cars. It's worth a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, he patiently sewed a lot of time and thought and labor. Is, my, is this too loud? Does it sound Just too a bit. Just a bit, maybe. Okay. Um, but it turned into a classic, and he, it's, it really is worth a lot of money now. And so this word vintage, you know, just to get us started in this series, vintage, what's the, what does vintage mean? It means something of lasting value. It means something that endures time, something mm -hmm. that is of high quality, something that has a lot of worth and value to it. And something that has a lot of high value and worth to God is the vintage harvest of the earth, the Come salvation on. of people. Yes. I mean, God's message of salvation, uh, you know, by grace through faith has patiently been going out over the earth for the last almost you know, 2,000 years, <laughs> approximately. And there is a time coming at the end of the age, you know, when the final harvest of souls will be reaped. You know, the people on the earth uh, will be gathered in. The, the message of salvation will be preached the final time at some point. We don't know the time because Scripture says only the Father knows the day and time that that will happen. I believe we're getting closer and closer Amen. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That we are getting closer and closer when the time will come when God the Father is going to send out the reaper angels. He's going to say, go gather my wheat, take it into my barn. And he's gathering wheat, he says, from the true believers from the tares. The, that are in the earth, the, mm -hmm. the unbelievers in the field of the world. And so this, there is a last day harvest, a vintage harvest that God has his eye on in the earth. And we should have our eye on it too. Come on. Because we're really here in the earth to do our Father's bidding, right? It's like the song we sang, I'm your vessel. Come on. Like, so here I am, Lord, use me for the purpose and time that you have me here in the earth. James 5, 7 says this, Therefore be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. So the, you know, God is the patient farmer here. Correct. He sowed the life of his son into the earth, into the field of the earth. And the harvest he's after are people. 
This is why God sent his son, so that salvation, Yes. you know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would find and have everlasting life. And so he desires to save people. His, he's, he desires to bless people right up to that final time. And people are the precious fruit of the earth. This is why, like last week, the last couple of weeks, we are talking about the reign of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we do, like in our prayer meetings, we pray for the reign of the Holy Spirit. The latter reign, like this scripture says, he's waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter reign. Well, it's going to be the latter reign that's going to come, the reign of the Holy Spirit to soften people's hearts, to accept the message of salvation one last time before the sickle goes in, before the harvest is reached, and then changes come. The end, the end comes. Right. You know, all throughout the Bible, God speaks about a harvest, 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 harvest. And in the Old Testament, God actually delighted in seeing his people celebrate with harvest festivals. You know, God is, is a God who likes to throw a party. I mean, it's true. He loves to have a party. What was Jesus' first miracle? Keep the party going. Yeah. <laughs> so party, the only yeah. place that's really going to be having parties is going to be in heaven. <laughs> Amen. Well, these, these harvest festivals, they, they played a major role in the culture of Israel. Uh, they Again, they were ordained by God, set up by God. It was to help people celebrate. Uh, this, is, this is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Mm -hmm. And people were coming together. They had an abundant harvest, the, the grain, the wheat, the, the oil, the, the wine, the grapes, everything that they produced. They, they brought it together and they were, had a time of celebration uh, and a, a time of thanksgiving giving thankful for what God has provided for them through their lives. Yeah. Uh, the, and here's what's so cool about it. They were considered national holidays. It was uh, the times. It was meant for uh, the family to get together, family and friends to celebrate what God has given to them for His abundance. And they weren't uh, allowed to eat of this first fruit of the harvest until they all gathered for the celebration to give the first fruits to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this was a way of saying that they were, it helped solidify the truth that was presented to them. And the same way it goes with us, it helps solidify your faith. It helps strengthen your faith by doing a natural act, by saying, you know what, I'm giving you, Lord, the best, my first and my best. And this is the 10, it's like the tithe. It was just like the tithe. They gave 10% for the Lord. They gave it to him. And this, this giving of the first fruit for the children of Israel, it, it actually helped solidify their faith by saying, you know, I am a thankful individual, Lord, that you have been so bountiful toward me. And every single one of us can look at the things around us, the things that you possess, the things that you have, the things that you get to experience in life. You can be thankful. I think that, that we need to practice this because it's just simply not in human nature to be thankful. Ask a two-year-old. Mine. <laughs> yeah, you have to teach them to say thank you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It not only helped them to understand to be 
have a grateful heart, a, a heart of gratitude, but it also helped them understand their dependence on God. It just, it's a natural act that helps build your faith. It really does do that. When you're in need and you know that God is asking for that first fruit and you're still in need and you give it or you give an offering that is a sacrificial offering, you know what? That solidifies your faith and saying, this isn't my source, this isn't my source, God, you're my source, yeah. and you yeah. can get it to me when I'm walking in obedience right. with you. Yeah. It, it, you know, so God commanded everybody to gather together. Could you imagine the nation gathers together, they're bringing these offering, the best part of the fruit of their labor, and they're showing this gratitude. Everybody is in a celebratory mood. Everybody's mm -hmm. filled with joy. They're recognizing all these gifts came from God. Yeah. It was by His grace, His loving kindness that He's given to this to us. It, it not only helped them solidify their faith, knowing that God was the source, it also helped them not to become hoarders. <laughs> Mine! <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> You're going back to letting God know, you are my provider. You are my source of everything in my life. It's, it's you, Lord God. I am trusting you with everything that I have, everything I am. I'm trusting you completely. Mm -hmm. We looked at a, a scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 11 uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last yeah. week. It says that the eyes of the Lord are always <laughs> on the land, always on your land. Listen. You can take that as yourself. The eyes of the Lord are always on my land to bring me the early and the latter rain so that I might gather it, my grain, my new wine, my oil, so yeah. I can gather yeah. it. The Lord is, has His eyes on your land, my land. And what is He asking in return? He's asking, you know, for your voluntary love. You know, in the Old Testament, they made this a, a law. You have to, you have to. And it became so much that now it's a do, it's a do, it's a do. And they forgot the attitude and the joy of it all. It's a heart issue that God is after. He's, do you love me? Now, he's good to everybody. And all he's asking in return is that we acknowledge he is the source. We're grateful for what he's done. Yeah. And I just want to tell you, Lord, that I love you. Yeah. Anybody start the day off with that? Open your eyes. Lord, I just want to tell you I love you today. <laughs> I want to tell you that I love you. Even though it was a law, and like I said, it helped build, it'll help build your faith. It goes back to, even though it was a law, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but you go back to the book of James and he says what? Faith without works is dead. So you have to have corresponding action to your faith to bring it alive. This is the new covenant that we live in. It's a heart issue. It's a heart attitude. Our kingdom has everything to do with your heart. Everything. And it's important that... Well, what about the other festivals? Yeah, there was another. Well, there, there are several festivals in the Old Covenant. Uh, just one, because you think about Thanksgiving coming up, and 
it, it was festival of shelters or booths, it was sometimes called. So for seven days, they lived in booths. It was like a remembrance of how the Lord delivered them out of Egypt, you know, in their time of need out of the wilderness, and then in, brought them into the promised land. And again, it was one of these times of recounting God's faithfulness. Yes. And again, I do think we're forgetful people. We forget that without his breath and life in us, we would just, our life is but a vapor. It's like it says yes. in the book of James. And so we kind of forget that how dependent we really are on God and that he gives us the power to get well, mm-hmm. it says in the old covenant, to establish his kingdom. Like there's a reason that we have power even to have what we have. It's, and one of the things he wants us to do is just to remember and to say thank you. Yes. And so at Thanksgiving, I think it's coming up. It's one of our biggest national holidays. And let's be sure that we make it a time of Thanksgiving, that we remember what it is we're celebrating because the ads are already starting to flood in as soon as Halloween is over. And, it's know, Christmas now. We went to Sam's. They got Christmas trees yeah. up. That's, that's wrong. But to re- <coughs> I think Christmas was in September already. It was like starting to get out there. You can hardly keep up with it. But, I mean, the culture is just does push that. And Thanksgiving then just becomes a big time... Yes, I mean, we call it Thanksgiving, but I don't know how many times even Christians just forget to make it an effort around the table with Mm -hmm. your kids especially to voice and declare your thankfulness to God for what you have. And you might feel like, well, this hasn't been a great year for me. Well, you have something. You have breath in your lungs. Come on. You've got probably some shoes on your feet still, and you're wearing a piece of clothing, and you have a roof over your head. Come on. So we do have things that we can be thankful for. And so the culture just wants to push, you know, make this all about food and who's... And then, you know, in our minds, it's like, who's cooking the dinner? We went there last year, and mm-hmm. I don't want to make that sauce, and I don't like her sweet potatoes, and, you know, <laughs> and all these kind of things. It's like, it's like you could just get caught up in all that stuff, right? Or else it's hurry up. We want to eat earlier and earlier because the Black Friday sales, which actually start now a week before the real Black Friday because everybody's in such oh, a rush to buy. Crazy. You know, let's hurry up and eat so we get out and go to the sales and shop all night. So let's remember, people, like really what Thanksgiving is Come about. Come on. Yeah, that's and a good word. I'm <laughs> around our table to show our kids, like to pass on a tradition, a heritage of what it means as a true Christian. Like this is what this holiday means Come to on. us. Yes. And let's have enough boldness to just share a little bit about what Jesus has done in our life, what he's done in our family. You'd be amazed at how much those little seeds will sow something into the heart of your child that'll be very meaningful in the days to come for a harvest in their life. That's so true. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we still see the word harvest. Amen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's used in a different connotation. It's, It's John. Jesus said this, you know, this is he's what is what is Jesus goal? We read it out of the book of James. God, the father is patiently waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's, he's waiting for the early and latter rain. Now, Jesus knows this is the heart of the Father. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 4. He, he says, do you not say there are still four months and then the harvest? And he says this, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for the harvest. Jesus isn't saying, get your John Deere out and cut the fields. He's, he's gathering the wheat. He's not saying that. He, he's saying to you and to I that there are people who are ready to hear about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The hope we have. Yeah. 
about the forgiveness of sins, about the love the Father has toward each one of us. Every single person who walked the earth, God loves so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die. Not just die, but pay the penalty for their sins and my sins. This is love manifested. Manifested on the cross and then the empty tomb. Praise God. Jesus also said this in the the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, listen, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Again, this wasn't a 4-H lecture on how to grow big fields of wheat. This, This is Jesus is saying, I'm going to sow my life. This is the first fruits of God Himself sowing His best for all of mankind. So that you and I could partake of eternal life. So that our future is set and for sure. That we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That when we close our eyes on this earth, life goes on. And we will be living in paradise in perfect harmony with God the Father. We'll walk with Him on the streets of gold. He's saying He's sowing His life so that you and I can obtain this eternal life that He so desperately wants to give to people on this planet. And then He's saying now, okay, here's my example. Now you sow your life also. You bury that lower life so you can experience the new life. Amen? Amen. And then here he says, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 9. He says, "Mm, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And Jesus isn't telling you and I to go to to the farmer down out here in West Sunbury and say, "I'll, I'll give you a day job. Can I have a day job? I'll be a farmhand. (laughs) He's saying, get involved with the harvest. Get involved with his harvest. All this stuff is in you to be able to do. He's not asking you to do something you cannot do. You have to renew your mind to this. We we sang these amazing songs today about God pouring out our lives, as we receive His life, we pour it out. Love. Yeah. His love. Yeah. And you know what? He, he, we need to tell Him that, you know, when He says, pray the laborers of the harvest, we need to tell Him, here I am, Lord. <laughs> Send me. Yeah. Yes. Every one of us should be crying that out. And if you have a difficulty with that, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I need a zap from heaven. <laughs> just light a little fire under my <laughs> so true. But Jesus, you know, he uses all these natural things, harvest and seeds, fields, all and it all does have a spiritual application in our life. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to read, let's read the parable of the sower. Awesome. Uh, you know, Jesus said if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the parables. So it's an important one. You know, and, and throughout the, the time in, in the Gospels, Jesus will often say, so he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's mm-hmm. read and open up our spiritual ears. I mean, it starts with listen. Oh, that's a good <laughs> this one. This is Jesus talking, and take note. 
He says, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell beside the path, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Mm. Some seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and soon it sprang up because it didn't have deep soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded grain that sprang up and increased by 30, 60, or a hundredfold times as much. And then verse 9, he said, mm. to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, so, the disciples, they were lightning fast in their minds, and so uh, they <laughs> came true. to him in verse 13 and says, <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> What does this mean? You laugh at him, it'd be you and me too. Come on. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you remember, you read through the Bible, sometimes they had so many questions, didn't understand so much, and they were afraid to ask him at times, what does that mean? So they just yeah. would be quiet. They didn't want to show how dumb they were. <laughs> but it's better to ask a question Amen. so that you don't stay dumb. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then verse 13, and Jesus said to them, <clears throat> Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? This is really important. I'd like you to circle this on your, in your Bible or on your outline. The sower sows the word. So is Jesus talking about wheat? No, he's talking about God's word. The yeah. sower sows the word. These are those beside the path where the word was sown. But when they hear, listen, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Remember that scripture? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a warning. Now let's go on. The other, likewise, are seed sown on rocky ground, who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves, so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction, persecution, unanswered prayer, <laughs> when that arises for the word's sake, immediately they fall away. And other seed that were sown among thorns, listen to this, the ones who hear the word. They're the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, here, you're here we believe this is you. Still others are seeds sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and receive it and bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 times as much. Jesus is telling this story on purpose so the listener would think about their own life. It might be hard to imagine uh, because they didn't have the internet. They didn't have electricity back then. They didn't have running water. 
But, you know, it's hard to imagine, but the people in that ancient culture, the first century, their lives were just as busy as ours. Yeah. To go get water, I mean, you'd have to carry that large jug. Sometimes you'd have to walk two miles to get the water one way. Then when you, they're building a house, well, guess what? You didn't call loads <laughs> up and get a delivery. No, they had to make bricks. They had to make them. You need wooden timber? Well, you got to go to the woods. You got to cut your own trees down and you got to get them back to your building site. Yeah. <laughs> their daily routines, you know, they were crowded. It was really, they were overcrowded in their areas too, just like us. You know, thank God we don't live in Cranberry and have to drive 228. Amen. <laughs> But, you know, the kids, they had to raise their kids. The worries of life, the desires for, you know, ease, make things easy for them, the, the pleasures. Listen, this is common to human nature no matter what century you're in. Yeah. You know, it was plaguing them just as much as it plagues us. And Jesus is, is saying, hey, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Hey, people think is really what he's saying. I'm trying to get you to understand what life is about in this story. Don't be too busy, he's saying. Don't be too busy and miss it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because what happens, uh, there's only, there's three soils there he talks about. They have no fruit. No fruit. That'd be horrible to stand before Jesus and have nothing, no fruit whatsoever. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. So now, you know, you're here today because God is, is bringing this to our attention. And we do believe that we are in the last of the last days. And if those people in that time that were... Paul was writing to, we're just expecting Jesus to come back tomorrow or this afternoon. Shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Shouldn't we be expecting Jesus to split the sky, to call us out of here? We have an opportunity right now, if we have ears to hear, to produce the fruit that God wants for us. But He leaves it up to you. He leaves it up to me. He lays it out before us, and then he says, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that word here is really important Yes. in the Bible. It's like the Lord is always saying, do you hear uh, not just the physical sounds, but do you hear what I'm saying to you? It's like coming to church, you know, every, uh, every Sunday, we believe just every especially when we gather together. I mean, you could hear from God anywhere, anytime. But, you know, when you gather together in, in worship and we're all, you know, working together in one heart and mm -hmm. mind towards God, is often the anointing, the corporate anointing is just stronger. Amen. And so it's possible to hear from the heart of God in a corporate setting. Sometimes it's easier than it is when you're alone. 
unless you've learned to quiet yourself. This is all part of just our walk with God, learning. You learn some things from coming together in corporate worship that yes. you can take to your home life then and go, okay, I want to I wanna feel you, God, the way I did in that church service. I want to, you know, I want mm-hmm. when I'm reading the word privately by myself, like, I want to hear you the way I hear you in that setting. And that's possible. So we learn some things. This is why gathering together, one, one reason is just that, that. it's so important. Yes. But you can hear something from God when, when we do gather together, but, you know, are your ears open? You have to approach God by faith and believe that he's always speaking. He's, a, he's the best communicator Amen. there ever was. And, you know, Jesus told, like in the Gospel of John, he told his disciples he would reveal himself to them, he said, and not to the world. And I was reading that this week and thought, it's really an interesting thing. And he said, and then even the disciples said, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus' answer was, was just interesting. Like, how is it that in a group of people, even just sitting here right now, some walk out and go, God, it's just like, this is, I, I feel like God's speaking to me. I, I feel like I got an answer or some sort of direction. And maybe others could just get up and go, oh, eh. <laughs> it happens. Yes, it does. It's all in how you desire to listen. Because that's what Jesus said to them. He said, when a person listens, if you read that, I think it's in, did I write it down here, John 14, if you just right, want to check John that 14. out later yourself, 23. He says, you know, the person who, want, who really loves me will, will hear, will want to obey what I'm saying. And that's the person I'll reveal myself to. There you go. So there's a connection to when we're sitting and listening or we're reading the word of God. It, does our heart really want to obey what we're reading? Because the heart that says, I do want to obey, I do want to hear, then it's amazing how much easier it is for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself yes. to you. Have, that, have any of you noticed that? I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you could read the word of God just strictly for information and feel like you're doing it as a duty. But the more you learn to read with a listening ear, speak to me, Holy Spirit. Yes. What are you showing me about my life? It's all in how you listen. And the truth is, you know, when your heart is really open and wanting to obey, and I can say it again, it, it's amazing what you can hear. I mean, this almost, this applies even in natural communication. Haven't you, I mean, some, in counseling, they call it active listening. Like, you're really listening to what the person is trying to say. Mm-hmm. You're not just, like, waiting for your turn. When they're, when they're done talking, I'm going to shoot right back at what I want to say. <laughs> you're not really caring what the person is even saying to you. So, like... This is like, are you sincerely listening when someone is speaking to you? What are they trying to say to you? Or what does your body language say back to them? Oh, what there are you, you, go. you know, because you could, you could say, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Rolling your eyes, you know, it's like, you're not really listening. You're just waiting for your turn to say something, <laughs> right? So, I mean, Whoa. <laughs> we've all done it. But I mean, I think if we, we sometimes approach without knowing that the word of God that way, okay, yeah, God, you know, like yeah. we're in a mood or whatever, and this is all part of just learning to quiet ourselves. Very in, important. In some, some place of silence and mm-hmm. go to a spot where you feel like this is my spot. Like when I sit here, there's something about the atmosphere in this room, the place where, you know, I can, I want to hear from you, Lord. Amen. You know, Jesus is saying this. He says to truly hear his words, to hear his words, means that you start to act upon his words. 
just like what yeah, to obey. Uh, yeah. uh, John 14. It says, I'll reveal myself to you and not to the world. It's just exactly what you're yeah. saying. Who, who's going to be the one that God reveals himself to? Uh, the one who's going to act upon the word. Yeah. That's how you know if you're believing God's word or not. Not by your confession. It's by your actions. You remember, James, faith without works is dead. Believing is an action. That's an action word. That means you're actually putting it into practice. That means you're making your decisions based on the word of God that you've understood and learned. It means you check your attitude with the word of God. How's that line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Ooh, not so good. <laughs> Don't look at me with that holy look. <laughs> you're as guilty we as I am. <laughs> you know, you check yourself out on how am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my talent? What am I doing with my treasure? You know, faith without works is dead. We don't want that to happen. What we have to do, and we've got to understand that this is what God is asking us to do, is we base our decisions, we base our life on the Word of God. Radical? Yes. Totally. Wise? Yes. (laughs) And will you reap a good harvest in the end? Yes, you will. And so the question is, what is Jesus saying to you right now? Are we an active listener? Yeah. Uh, uh, do you want him to reveal himself to you? Well, I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So the one he reveals himself to is the one who puts the word into practice. The one who's going to pull the dump lever on their thinking and receive the eternal word of God and live their life based on the word. You know, in this parable, this is on your outline. In this parable, there's four soils in this parable. And they represent the way people respond from their heart to the Word of God. This is so important for us to really embrace and hold on to. Responding to the Word that you hear. So the parable of the sower really, it's about four heart conditions, all right? Because the truth is, <laughs> I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> many, many people make a profession to follow oh. Jesus Christ, but the truth of the matter is not all stay with it. You know these people. You know, you, you've seen this happen yeah. in your life. It's really up to you what you do with the Word of God. I mean, in the parable of the sower, only one out of four heart conditions bears fruit. Mm. It's kind of startling when you begin to think about it. The first soil is basically likened to just a hard heart. The word comes, it lands, and it doesn't have, it just lands on a hard surface. It's like seagulls, you know, you throw bread out, boom, they just come again. (laughs) The devil comes, it says Satan comes and just takes it away, steals it from them. In the second soil are p- people like where the seed of God's word is sown and it shoots up. Something happens. I mean, when you think about it, this is called incorruptible seed. So there is life in the seed. It shoots up. Something 
starts to happen. There's an excitement that happens, but then it dies back. The seed doesn't have any real root mm -hmm. in itself because it, says, it talks about it being rocky soil. So when the, either the feelings aren't there or persecution comes because of the word of God, yep. for whatever reason, it says the plant just withers in the hot sun because there was no root. I mean, people make a commitment to Christ. Sometimes I think it seems, and they shoot up. They come to church, buy a Bible, start to talk about the things of God. But then it just seems like out of nowhere, it just, they bail out. It just withers for whatever reason. I don't know, didn't all, mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense to me, or it didn't happen like I thought it would, or my feelings are gone, or, you know, this Christianity thing didn't work out. And I think, well, Christianity isn't a thing. It's about a re <laughs> living relationship Come on. with Jesus, who, who was the forgiver of your sins and Amen. your Savior. Hallelujah. And so the problem was there wasn't a root. You tried to build on something that was emotional experience, and when it wears off, you get disillusioned. Or maybe you look to somebody who was a Christian and they sinned, which you're not going to find a perfect Christian, right? Amen. You walk away, it's like, well, I'm not going to do with it anymore. People are all just hypocrites. But this is, these are just excuses, really, when it comes right down to it. Because God will never fail the person who sticks with him. Amen. And we're all going to stumble and fall, but if you get back up and you keep going, God will never leave you or forsake you. Hallelujah. And lasting change happens to the person who wants their roots to go down. It's Come like, on. I'm not going to let, you know, whatever happened in their life affect my life and my relationship with the Lord. But people do. And then that third soil, you know, is the seed of God's word is sown on the ground of their heart. But the, it's all the distractions and the millions of choices and priorities mm -hmm. that get mixed up about life and what's important. Golly. It could be sinful things that pull us away at times like that. But, it, but not even necessarily sinful Correct. things. Because that scripture says the distractions, cares, and worries of life. I mean, we could just, you know, things of life can just pound in on us. All the activities. We could become obsessed with our career and, you know, jobs and money and all the activities we have to do with our kids. And haven't you noticed that all the activities are happening on Sundays now? And mm. times when it's like parents, like, I can't come. My kids are on the traveling team. And all these things, all these choices. So they're like weeds that just start to grow up. <laughs> around the good, the good, the seed of God's word that was there. It's like, you know, the priorities change, the choices change, and little by little the weeds grow with it, and it's like it just chokes out Golly. the fruit that was meant to come. And then there's the fourth soil, the heart that allows God's word to have its way, to plant a deep and bear good fruit. Yes. And so if you want to be the person who bears good fruit for God, like you read that, Truly, like all of our hearts should jump and go, I, that's me. Yes. I want to be, you, you don't have to feel like oh, I need to know how to do this or <laughs> would I be able to do it? Come on. All God wants is your desire. Do I want to be a, do, I'm your vessel, Lord. Make me into a good vessel. He will take that kind of yes. heart attitude. It's just a voluntary love response to say, I believe you have the power to make it happen in my Come life. On. And so in the end, you know, Matthew 4.20, I'm just going to read this. It's up on PowerPoint. When those sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, receive and accept it and welcome it, see, and bear fruit. They receive it, accept, they welcome it, and bear good fruit some 30 times as much as was sown, some 60, and some even 100 times as much. Mm. And so it's not a mystery why some people bear more fruit in their lives than other people. Sometimes we just think, well, I don't know about them compared to me, but it's not a mystery. No, God doesn't have any favorites. He loves you and I just as much as he loves Jesus. That's what is declared in the Bible. 
He has no favorites. But why does this happen? Well, Jesus tells us why in the 24th verse of Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read out of the Amplified because I think it really puts a finger on it really well. Jesus is saying, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth. That's the measure that's going to come back. So it is up to you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's up to you. It's up to me. If you just got, give God a teaspoon, a little teaspoon of this, guess what you're getting back? Yes, a teaspoon. <laughs> Depending on the measure that you sow, the, the time you spend, the attitude of the heart, that is all bringing down... And that when it's right, Jesus says he's going to reveal himself to you. To you. You know, and that's the key. comes back to us. What do you want? Do you want 30, 60, 100? It it really is. If it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be in your life, it's up to you. You can't get... Pastor Mamie's, because that's a personal relationship. You have to get your own. You have to develop your own. And the thought and the study that you give to it will be given back to you and more. This is on your outline. Jesus gave us the parable of the sower so that we don't miss the entire purpose of our life. I I mean, we, we really could. People... Every day, look around, missing the whole purpose of their life. I mean, just this parable will help you, ju- help you just judge your life. And right. Judge life in general and go, whoa, is this what life is about? I mean, he gave us the parable because he loves us. Amen. And he wants our life to produce a harvest that's lasting and eternal. Gosh. And, I mean, it's one day every believer is going to stand before God. Yeah, look what he says here. On a, it's going to be here. On, I think it's on your outline here. You know, this is God gives us a kind of final exam. We're all going to stand before Him. Every single one of us. Everybody who's ever walked this planet, this Earth, planet Earth. <laughs> whether mind, it's, it's, whether just, it's just flat or it's round. <laughs> yeah. look what he says here in Romans chapter 14 it says we will all everybody say what's that word all All. we will all you know what the meaning of that in Greek is that's right all (laughs) you're so smart smart. (laughs) for we will all stand before God's judgment seat and then two verses later it says so then So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. No escaping that. And you can't reveal something back to God that you don't have. Listen, you're not going to fake God out. (laughs) It just isn't going to happen. And he's going to basically ask us a couple of questions. He's going to say, what did you do 
with my son, Jesus Christ. Did you accept what he had for you? Did you learn about him? Did he reveal himself to you? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through him. And then the next thing, the audit of your life, so to speak, is going to say, what would you do without what I gave you? What do we all have? We all have time. So the key is, he's going to say, what would you do with your time? You, how did you spend your life? Did you, did you spend it on yourself? Did you sow it for your own self? Did you allow the cares of the world to grab you and keep you and captivate you? Or did you sow your life with the purposes that God placed within you? It's going to be a question that we all are going to have to answer. And it's pretty awesome that God is letting us all know. You came here today. He's letting us all know these things so that we don't miss it. He's given us an opportunity. And, you know, we don't know. I don't know when he's coming back. But this could be a final opportunity. I don't want to be morbid or anything like that. But the truth is, He's giving us some instruction for the final days of our lives. And it's going to be really important for you because that's all that's going to be on your mind at that point. You're not going to be thinking about, did my kid make the traveling team? That's right. (laughs) You're not. Because that parable does tell us that, well... Many people will make a profession of faith in Jesus, but not all people are going to stay with it. And it is up to you. It's up to me what I do with my faith. Jesus said, he, the person who hears and perseveres in doing my word, that's the person who's building their life on a rock. He uses Amen. that example. Amen. So when the storms hit and, you know, of, of life hit our house, it's not going to crumble and fall. It's not built on sand. It's built on the rock of God's word. Hallelujah. So you and I have to respond this morning to God, to, to the word that you heard. You decide what kind of soil your heart will be. Do you want it to be soil number four? That's all you have to do is say, Lord, that's that's me. You know, if you're a child of God, you have a right to say that. Amen. And trust that his grace will come and empower you to work out your salvation. So you decide if you're going to be a fruit-bearing Christian or are you going to be one who's just going to wither and dry up in the sun? Oh, my. And so it's our prayer. I mean, we, it's our prayer that you made a commitment to Jesus. And when you did, you're going to study his word. You're going to hear his word. You want to obey and apply it in your life so that fruit can come forth. Amen. Listen, God loves you. He loves you, and He wants you to pass the test. He's, like, giving you the answers to the test. He said, please, follow through, please. It is in His love. It's in His mercy that He brought us here today to hear these things. Maybe refresh some stuff in our mind. Maybe help cut off some things before they actually grab hold of us. You know, I just want to ask you, bow your heads. 
if, if you're here today and you've never given Jesus Christ your life, I'm asking you, why are you holding yourself back? Why are you holding yourself back? His invitation is for you. This is the day of salvation. Are you ready to face him? Giving you an opportunity to pass the test right now. If you're ready to give your life to him, uh, your whole life, not just a portion, not just a teaspoonful, but all of your life. I'm asking you to raise your hand right now high enough so that I can see it. And we'll pray a prayer right now and you'll be saved. Anyone? So Father, I pray just a closing prayer. As a Christian, Lord, as a follower of Christ, we pray that we would all be fruit bearers for you, Lord. Jesus said that the Father is glorified when we bring forth much fruit in our lives. So I pray you help us to remember that this is why we're in the earth. Yes. That we're put on the earth to glorify you, bring forth spiritual fruit in our life. I mean, anything less than that, Lord, is falling short of your plan and purpose. And it really minimizes your glory and it minimizes the power that's at work in us who believe. And so we press on, Lord. We press on to hear your voice. Yes. We press on to obey the things that we hear your spirit whispering to us, Lord, step by step little by little working out our salvation father i thank you i thank you for your plan and purpose for our life and for this church that will prevail in jesus name amen amen